we should just do it for luck. This is Lucky to Lead. That was so good. Okay. Just drop your best one. Welcome to Lucky to Lead. You're talking shit about me? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Lucky Lucky to Lead. Lead. recording taken away dave awesome welcome back to lucky to lead uh we are honored to have uh one of my mentors and best friends and all around uh good guy eric saramit join us he was currently the offensive coordinator at air force i'm sorry at rutgers and uh was the head coach at air force and that's where we got uh to know each other and uh spent a lot of time and to this day is one of my mentors and who I call for uh, advice. So I thought it'd be great to get you on and uh, see your perspective on leadership, Eric. Welcome. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, I'm honored. This is, uh, this should be, uh, should be fun to record some of these ideas that we throw back and forth at each other all the time when we talk. For sure. Um, So your, your current position now is the offensive coordinator at, Air Force. I'm sorry. I keep saying Air Force. I'm crazy. Uh, at Rutgers, you got a big R on your chest right now, too. I'm staring at you. Um, what, uh, you know, you're walking into a new locker room. Uh, you've been a head coach for what, 14 years? And now you're walking in. What's that? I said something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, can you talk a little bit about walking into, what that was like for you personally, and then also kind of your style of how you kind of approach that. Yeah. I mean, uh, coach Brecht and I go back a long time, long, long way. So, you know, I was excited to, you know, see what it was like to well, work with a friend, which is always going to have its challenges, but, you know, kind of see how he uh, runs his show and has created the success he's created. So um, definitely challenging when you know you want to take on a role that you haven't had in a while and um so I kind of went in there big-eyed and somewhat quiet at first at least you know just trying to see you know some of the things that we talk about you and I about you know management and and values and things along those lines and try to try to take it all in kind of like a freshman would you know first day in the locker room kind of thing um so yeah um you know, being, trying to be as observant as possible. Um, you know, the term don't want to step on toes has been said, you know, a million times, uh, in the, in the office and, and whatnot. And at the end of the day, we always say you're not stepping on anybody's toes if we're trying to better the program and have good ideas. So it's a work in progress to, to try to, you know, um, you know, try to get at this. Cause at the same time, I, not only was I hired, but our defensive coordinator was hired as well. So a complete changeover in staff and uh, you know, and in hindsight, now we look at, you know, decent um, significant loss to graduation when he and I got on board. So it seemed like there was a lot of new faces and whatnot. So it was just a matter of trying to, all right, let's see what this process is and, and, and uh, what's been working and why it's been working. So those are a lot of the questions I've been asking in my time there. Did you feel like your approach had to be a little bit different coming from the Air Force Academy where that type of kid might be a little bit different? Or have you seen that? I would imagine that the kids are a little bit different, but not too different. But is that 
played a, a role in how your kind of uh, approach has been? Well, you know, um, I would say, first of all, I, I think the kids are similar. Um, you know, the kids in those locker rooms, whatever stereotypes might be out there about kids in any locker room, uh, I can speak right now to the kids I had at Air Force and the kids I had at Rutgers, and I would say that they're incredibly similar. Um, high GPA, very driven. You know, we have a, uh, you know, a 39999, you know, uh, pre-med, uh, all Big Ten, all-American attackman. Um, we have a lot, you know, we have very academically driven kids. You know, they're not juggling in the military, but they're pretty, in my time here, they've shown to be very respectful citizens, but really striving academically. Um, you know, and busting their butt on the field as well. So very similar kid as far as drive goes. But my, yeah, no doubt my approach has had to be a lot different. I think I spent most of my time, uh, you know, at Air Force, most of my time worrying about the bigger picture and the organizational side of things. Um, and I think the role here uh, is, you know, obviously probably more X's and O's than it is more of the big big overall picture so that's been a, a big big adjustment for me is to um you know switch gears in that capacity i wanted to i wanted to take us back for a second uh, to the step on your toes comment because I, I wonder how much of your natural ability to ask the question hey man i'm not trying to step on anybody's toes bust any balls here right because you feel like you're the new guy to some degree and you also have a certain amount of respect for the head coach right and i think that's from your eyes, because you have been a head coach for so long. So how much of that, I don't want to step on your toes, comes from maybe your experience as a head coach and thinking through the lens of like, well, what does he see now? And I want to make sure I'm not overstepping, right? Because you've lived through that. So I wonder, I wonder like how much from your 14 years being the head guy, do, do you lean on when you go in and go, well, that's, I probably shouldn't be fucking saying this, but I'm going to give it a go here, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of, I mean, we could steer that into a lot of different topics. Um, you know, whether it's discipline, whether it's accountability, whether it's X's and O's, whether it's locker room style or, you know, or, uh, you know, coaching style or whatnot. And probably the hardest, the, probably the, the thing that caught me most off guard, um, or, you know, as we're, you know, working through this is always, it's like a marriage, right? It's a relationship that we're constantly, the push and pull and the tug, tug of war type type of thing. I mean, not tug of war, but push and pull is um, philosophically really maybe whether it's on the field as well as off the field, just um, maybe take it for granted, but maybe that's one area that we didn't expect or I didn't expect to be as challenging as maybe philosophy and being able to say, well, I like to play this way. You know, I like to train this way. I think this is important. You think that is important. And so sometimes when we're talking about the stepping on the toes, it's not just one topic. It could be three or four top layers below that topic that bring us. Does that make sense? Like it could be, you know, holding someone accountable, you know, and how that plays out is a bad shot taken. You know, it's like, well, you know, he feels comfortable doing this, doing it a certain way, but the end result's not. So you can't just fix the end result. You got to kind of fix where it started. Um, so tying in philosophy and then, you know, it, my philosophy, his philosophy and trying to merge that. And you know what, honestly, 
Um, I knew, you know, probably something I was thinking about, you know, with our previous conversation about jobs open and and career paths and whatnot is, um, you know, being able to verbalize or vocalize or put in writing a philosophy is, is really challenging. Like, especially when you, when you're at the same place for so long, you step back and go, Whoa, like I never really thought about the exact day-to-day stuff that got us to where you are. And, you know, um, you know, I was reading something or listening to something this past week that, you know, a lot of successful people carry around little books, little, uh, little, uh, notebooks, they're writing things down, writing ideas down and whatnot. And I thought that was, you know, really, it really caught my attention that, you know, the little black book that I have sitting next to me where I'm just constantly writing silly stuff down. It's helping me to chronicle some of those, some of those philosophies, you know, to keep it fresh in my mind and to write down what's, what's been working and what's not been working. Yeah. It's one of, it's one of the biggest things that me and Dave talk about a lot is, um, I think number one, you know, Dave's head coach, he spends full time at the school. I I do. It's very much a part-time job for me, but I think he has seen like my commitment level. So if I want to do something defensively, he's going to give me the raise and say, go ahead and do it. Right. But I think even then um, we, we, uh, we have talked a lot about at the end of the day, there's discussions that end with, no man, it's, it's my call. This is what we're doing. So what was your first time in the new transition, right? Because you went from being that guy who was the guy that said, don't step on my toes, right? This is what we're doing. To now you're the assistant guy and you may hear some no's. So what was your first no like? Oh, that's funny. I thought you were going to ask me the first time I said, Dave, no, we're not doing it that way. (laughs) Uh, I think we should start there, actually. That's way better. (laughs) (laughs) And him going. I was day one in in the the early spring when I was like, hey, can we do this? No. He hadn't even dropped his bag yet. Uh, No, we're not doing that. All he had to do was ask me like two or three more times. I'm like, fine. Like my daughter's fine. Eat candy. Go ahead. Do whatever you want to do. (laughs) <laughs> you're the one who'll get the cavities um oh let's think about that um uh it was probably more i'm gonna say it was a philosophical little bit of uh um that's i'm gonna give you a long i hope i don't give you too long of an answer you know i like that first fall when i got on board is just really big eyed trying to trying to just see we want to try to play fast. We want to try to try to, uh, you know, try to create unsettled offense, very offensive minded. Um, and, uh, believe it or not, I was a little bit apprehensive about that. And so, you know, it was probably like, um, you know, me wanting to pace a play really is what it comes down to, um, of going, you know, where we need to, surprisingly because i really never thought i was this um particular um you know where does this guy go and then where does that guy go and where does this guy go right so a little bit more rigid and i feel like uh, you know maybe coach brecht was a little bit more no it's free flow and they just they're going to make decisions right and it was like well how do you teach it you know if you know i like it structure and then let them play and it seemed like it was let them play. And I was like, ah, it's kind of stuck. <laughs> a lot of ifs in there. So 
when we talked about it, I was like, well, I think he should go here and he should go here. And I think that was kind of our one little, our first little, like, you know, no, we want to keep it organic. We use that word a lot. We want them to critical think. We want them to make all these choices. So my adjustment trying to fit into that style was one of those like, all right, you know, the players have been doing it, playing this way longer than me because, you know, you have a junior is playing for three years, you know, uh, you know, and so on. So I was like, all right, let me learn from the players, how they're, how they've been coached in the past. And so I don't know if that answers your question, but that was certainly one of our little challenges was me trying to fit into their style of play when philosophically I was like, I think we should do it this way. And I was like, well, no, this is the way we've done it kind of thing. I mean, I, I really liked the idea that, I mean, it was a no. Uh, so then you actually just went and learned from the players instead of like trying to figure it out on a drawing board. Right. Yeah. It's tough though. When they look at me and then they'll say, you know, what do you, what, what should I have done? And I could give you the, what you should have done, but then, you know, is that, that going, to the, is that going to the rigid version versus the organic version? Yeah. Right. And how do you mimic the same scenario over and over again, which, which is why you're teaching choices and decision-making, not specifics, but, you know, how to be a little more, not vague, but a little more open with the options of certain plays kind of thing. So, um, so, I mean, it was, we, we thought we were playing, fast i feel like at air force you know well we're going to keep the ball above the goal line we're going to pass down and pick down every time we did that we just i mean I, when i go back and watch some film we just held the ball and got our guys on so i don't know if we really generated would you think would you agree with me coach Cohn? or uh yeah i mean i'm with you on that but i feel like as a coach you feel like the ball's above the cage uh i think Going back, thinking about it, the reason why we didn't do that because we didn't trust the guy to throw through through to X. I think that was really the uh, part of it for me was, you know, we don't know who we have back there. Can we throw it back there and actually get it back up top? So why not just keep it up top? Yeah, yeah. But, yeah, I think to your point, did we get much out of it? No. We just got our guys on, threw it around, and got into whatever we were doing. And and my my transition to to Rutgers was – um, I- interesting in that it was also the year of the first year of the shot clock. So, um, yeah. that's like, whereas, that's the real, that's the real game changer to talk about speed, right? Yeah. I mean, cause I was very used to, well, we, we don't have to, you know, play so fast that we have to generate a shot. We can still kind of play fast, but then just get our guys on and work it and, you know, miss it on purpose, so to speak. And just, you know, keep playing offense, have long possessions. Whereas, you know, uh, I think the style fits coach Breck's philosophy is the shot clock style, because we do want to try to push it and go and, and get opportunities. And part of, you know, going in, I know from my perspective, going in as a head coach to a new high school or assistant coach, whatever it is, is that trust piece is really important. Um, what, what would you say to either young coaches or young professionals that are going into a situation where they have a couple people underneath them that to build that trust and, and accelerate that process as best you can without, you know, being unauthentic or not being yourself. I think that's one of the common themes that in our conversations that we have thus far is that authenticity piece, but also the trust piece is being really important. Can you speak to that a little bit? 
from trusting the players or trusting your staff? Well, trusting, you know, gaining that trust from the player to the coach so that you tell them to go, you know, you cut here and they trust you that you're putting them in the right position to make the right play. Yeah. Um, that's a good, that's a great question. I just saw, uh, watched a Ted talk that talked a little bit about leadership and trust and, you know, a lot of the, you know, military type of mindsets of, uh, you know, um, you know, the, the, you know, uh, the younger guys eating first, you know, and that kind of thing, um, was part of it. And, um, you know, and the overall thought process of why would I do this for you because you would do it for me, you know, like kind of having each other's backs on that, you know, so, you know, my answer to that question is probably very non-lacrosse and, and bigger picture oriented in that it's a lot of that trust. I think you develop off the field, you know, um, you know, you're, you're, we talk about family and all this, and there's a lot of dysfunctional families. Don't don't forget we talk about, you know, family and, um, and how do you develop trust is, I don't think it's something that you can just say, Hey, you got to trust this guy. You got to trust, you know, because I said so, you know, I think there's all sorts of ways that you can establish trust. Um, and I think many of those ways happen off field, you know, in that whether it's, uh, you know, a, a basketball game, three on three basketball game and just time spent together um, doing different things for each other. And I, I felt like, at least in my head coaching years, we tried to establish trust in other people because the way we divided up the team, it put guys out there who didn't who weren't necessarily the captains. We put them out there to ex- expose their emotional, you know, expose their, expose themselves, put them out there. And I think when you do that and kids, young men are able to um, put words together and stand in front of people and develop some of these leadership skills, people start to believe in them because they show a human side to them. Um, you know, certainly when you get into, on the field stuff, there's, you know, there's so, and this is probably what I spent a lot of time with is just little gimmicky things to try to get the guys to put themselves in positions to prove themselves to their teammates. And then, you know, then you see who can do what. And then when you see who can do what, then you can trust that they're going to do what they can do to contribute to the bigger whole. Does that make sense? Um, I mean, it's absolutely it's it's and it's like how well you can figure out how that's the fun part of being a coach like figuring out a play let's figure out a way that we can get these guys to think about trusting each other i did it with my daughter like last week she said dad i want i want you to catch me and she did the old turn her back to me and fall <laughs> down and it only weighs 40 pounds right so i waited to the very 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 last minute and it took her three times to trust me but i was like i'm gonna catch you i'm your daddy you know so, I mean, you know, I think that's, you know, hopefully cool. Hopefully she trusts me. I'm a father for crying out loud. But, um, you know, but I, I think that exposing your human nature um, as a person and, and certainly, you know, it's kind of like ties also with confidence, right? You t- you kids talk about confidence and I think confidence is your ability to do a skill over and over and over again. And if you can do that skill, you're going to be confident in doing that skill. And I think 
I think trust is the same thing. Like if, uh, if, if, if I know Dave can put is good enough to throw the ball on a stick right here, I will tie my cut knowing that Dave's going to be good enough to put it there. I trust Dave is going to, is going to hit me on a cut because he's got that skill. Um, so I think somewhat trust and confidence are somewhat similar. I love the idea of putting the guys in a position to almost find it in front of the rest of the guys. And it's almost like showing that journey that they're going through of like, Oh shit, I can do this or Oh shit, I got this. Um, And I think a lot of like, well, you know, you've been through those as a coach as well, right? Like you've had those moments where you're like, Oh wait, that like that worked. I should do more of that. Right. Um, And I think though, you know, seeing your coach go through that is just as powerful, uh, if not more powerful than seeing, you know, your teammate go through that in front of you. So I think it's all, it's yeah, all really I think well it's, connected. That's the rewards of doing it, right? That's the rewards of coaching is watching these kids take those steps, these young men, these young boys, depending on the age, um, young girls, my daughters doing things on their own. And, and uh, I mean, that's, that's the value of doing parenting and coaching and, being in front of people and leading, probably leading organizations too. I think one of the, the uh, sayings that I steal from you the most that I tell our guys is don't be a comma, be an exclamation point. Right? <laughs> yeah. Well, especially in our point, in our, in our sport, you know, I, I had a lot of boxing analogies. It was like, you want to be a jab or you want to be a straight, right. You know? Yeah. Um, so I think, and specifically for us in our high school role, I think, you know, that's even more so. There's so much going on, you know, emotionally, mentally, puberty, all that stuff's going on that if you can get them to be comfortable, like you're saying, out in front of their peers or maybe guys that they look up to or maybe they don't feel like they're on that level, that if you can get them to feel that way, that confidence can then maybe take them somewhere that they thought they couldn't, which, again, well, I think you're we're in. Yeah, I, I can branch off um, in two two different thoughts I had is 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 one they have to feel comfortable failing, right? They have to be comfortable taking on risk, and you know that was a, a little bit of this TED talk that I listened to was like you know creating that environment where they feel comfortable taking risk and feel protected by you, the coach, by by the leader that you're able to go test some boundaries here knowing that, you know, you might fail and that's okay because, you know, as an ex runner, I should call myself a runner and you're a runner. Um, you know, how do you know how far you can go until you fail? If you never fail, then you never know how far you can go. And, you know, pushing human endurance is always been something I've been interested in because, you know, if you, you know, going back to what I said, if you don't fail, if you don't reach your limit, you don't know where your limit is. So, you know, you know, one of my regrets, cause I ran ultras was like, I never failed in these ultras. So does that mean I could have run a little faster? Absolutely. You know, how fast? I don't know. Probably had I failed, I would have been like, okay, that was too fast. <laughs> you know, I could probably beat that someday. Right. But right now that's my limit. So that's how I know how far I can go right now. Let me train this way, tweak some things and see if I can break that limit. But I think kids, uh, young young men, young women, 
that are in sport or in any other endeavor, they got to know, A, they feel comfortable failing, and B, that they do sometimes reach that. And I think as coaches, we can script certain ways to, uh, you know, allow them to feel what failure feels like and feel that maybe they can go a little harder, you know, than they thought they could. Because we all, we all, we oftentimes we limit ourselves and we, we fail before we even start, you know, and, um, you know, so part is that belief that they can do it and give them that room and that leash to, to, to maybe trip, you know. You know, that, I think that's why, I mean, that's why we love sports, right? Is especially from the leadership side. And it's such a great uh, you know, vehicle for, for, sh- for seeing the pro- the production from good leadership, you know, and from that mentality, exactly that you just spoke about when you hit a, a nerve that, you know, you strike a nerve with the guys uh, or with a locker room at any point in your experience, that actually clicked, what did success look like right after? Like where you knew, oh, like that thing I said, or we did as a group collectively worked, you know, how fast can you see results from something that works? You know, versus I think in the business world where I, you know, we can do and say all the right things. And sometimes it just takes a cycle or whatever, you know, time constraints that may be built in versus I think in athletics, you can have a really shitty game on, on Wednesday and you can go, you know, blow a top five team out of the water on Saturday because something you did worked or something you said or something the guides did or said. So what does that quick turnaround of success look like? And how do you know something worked? Yeah, we had, it's, it's funny. We had in 2014, um, the year before Dave came on, we, we had that very same thing in the locker room. Um, kind of a, kind of a long story. I mean, we, we really revamped, everything we were doing in 2011 because had a lot of trouble in 2010 and that when that freshman class came in in 2014 they were seniors and we were we were we were bouncing along through the year um no highs no real lows until we played a vmi team and and on paper we thought that you know I mean, anybody would have thought that we would have had the edge in that game and they played a messy game. We had no idea how to play in this messy game with them. And we lost and we went back home. And I remember, I remember having a moment with my captains and really just asking them uh, very colorfully, like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? Like, you don't believe in, you know, what you're doing off the field. You don't believe in what you're doing on the field. Like, why are we even here, you know? And uh, we went on that year to have a great season and go to the NCAA tournament for the first time in, you know, forever. And uh, had a couple All-Americans that year and really turned it around. But I just remember that moment of asking them really about purpose. Like, what are we doing here? Because that game just kind of came to a boil of like, I questioned what I was doing. Everybody questioned what we were doing because it was that uh, kind of a game. I knew I'd look back. I was even in the moment going, I bet you I'm going to look back on that, you know, colorful conversation with my captains and go, something's going to come of this. I promise. And uh, and the guys turned it around. I had a great senior class and they, they really did buy in. Um, but we had a little hiccup where we were able to, correct that going down the stretch and and uh we were in the ECAC at the time and, and win the tournament and, and 
the rest is history. Do you, th- do you th- this is my last question and I'll, I'll, I'll pass it over to Dave, but do you think that, uh, you think that's healthy? Shit hits the fan. Do you think it's healthy to always stop and kind of repurpose the moment for like reevaluation before moving forward? I think it's, uh, yeah, I think it's healthy. I think it's normal. If, if normal and healthy are the same thing, I think it's pretty normal. We all, we all, I mean, we probably, I mean, shoot, I'm, I'm imagining, uh, you know, it happens in relationships, you know, husband and wife and, you know, we gotta, we gotta take a step back and, you know, remind us of what we're doing and what our purpose is. And, you know, if you're into goal setting, you always got to look back, look at your goals and reevaluate and sometimes restructure them. Um, so I think it's a normal thing. And, um, you know, I think we all do that in life, especially when you get to midlife, no comments, uh, coach Cohn, uh, you know, when you start to, you know, like I said before, right. Wondering you've lived this life or you've coached for so long, or you've been with this team for so long and you get to the point and go, what's gotten us to where we are and what are the things that are important to us? Like, uh, I'm guessing we'll talk core values at some point, but sometimes you got to pull that back and, and, uh, remind ourselves what we're doing and why we're doing it. And, you can always change how the X's and O's is the easy part. Um, but it's more of the, the what and the why, you know, and, uh, you know, try to reset yourself. I totally agree, by the way. Yeah. Digging into a little bit more of that, like those core values, what do you feel has been uh, important to you, not only as a coach, but as a dad and, 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 you know, in life and your friendships, uh, what, core values do you think that, that kind of translate both on the field and off the field that you try to instill into your, into your kids? Well, I mean, I've, I've, uh, I place a lot of value on health and fitness. Um, and I've always felt that like when you're of sound body, you know, oftentimes you're of sound mind, you know, I think, uh, you know, you could read articles about depression and they'll say, go exercise. You know, um, I know in my personal life when I was the most fit I ever was, I got married, had a baby, took over as a head coach, you know, good things were happening. Um, and I, I placed an emphasis on that in my head coaching endeavors that that was going to be important. Um, but certainly the accountability part and the discipline part play into that because, you know, you have to eat well, you have to avoid alcohol and drugs and things that are going to, uh, you know, hold you back as an athlete. You have to rest, you have to study to stay eligible. Um, you know, you want to be building, so you, you, you want to be, uh, you know, eating proper amounts of protein and, and monitoring it, you know, and, and when you have some data, you can look at how you're training and how your grades are. And it's all real stuff that you can wrap your hands around to keep, to stay motivated with it. And, you know, we're, we're human, everybody's human and we all want to take the path of least resistance, but you know, the, the ones that strive for greatness don't, don't take that path and not everybody's wired that way. So, you know, that's where some of the leadership and some of the, the mentorship, some of the, um, you know, some of the accountability and the numbers have, you know, the motivation, you know, and, and that type of stuff needs to be uh, structured to, so that these guys remind themselves that they're part of something bigger and their responsibility to be a part of that greater good is to do their job and be healthy 
and be able to give it their all when, when they're called upon. Yeah, I think, you know, that's something that definitely is translated into our program for sure. You know, the running aspect is huge for us. And, and I think to your point, the how you look at it from the outside and you just say, okay, well, fitness is a core value. What do you mean? But then you look at it when you break it down, the discipline and accountability and doing the right thing off the field and putting the right things in your body, all of that plays into that and makes you, you know, if if you're fit, you can be a better lacrosse player. Like there's, there's definitely a correlation between the two. Now, some guys can get away with being not fit and being a good lacrosse player, just the nature of the position or the nature of where and how they play and the guys around them. But I think for the most part, and definitely in the sport in the last 10 years, I would say that fitness aspect has become, you know, a critical aspect to be successful on the field, I think. Yeah. And, you know, you, you can argue that, you know, your, your slickest player that, you know, might not be the most fit. If he was a little bit more fit, maybe that might be that much better. Just like if the kid that was more fit had a little bit more skill level. So, you know, it, it's all, it, it all plays together, but when you have, you know, when you tie it to something, whatever it is that you think is important, when they do step outside the boundary, you can say, no, we don't, we don't, we don't, we don't work like that. That's not who we are. We place a value on this. So if you skip class, how does that tie into fitness? Well, you know, it kind of indirectly does, but it's like, you know, having that, you need to, you know, that one of our values is that we're going to hold each other accountable. Now you can be holding yourself accountable to the fitness part via numbers and whatnot, but you can also branch that out into conduct off the field and, you know, into the alcohol and into skipping class. Like if, are you, what are you doing by skipping class? Are you doing something that, like if you're running a couple you know, running a couple sprints, like, all right, we'll talk about that, but you're probably not, you know, like you can always tie things back in and breaking down. I mean, that's only one little thing that I held, you know, I fitness was kind of like our center point, but you know, when you break it into accountability and break it into, you know, uh, hard work and being responsible citizen, you know, there's other boxes that, that, that doesn't check, you know, by skipping, skipping school, for instance. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, I'm thinking about, okay, so you have this in place. The, the hard part is the execution of it, right. And holding the kids accountable. And, you know, I know in the back of my mind, you know, having those difficult conversations with kids, I, I, we just had one this past year, I had to kick him off of our team because he wasn't doing the right thing off the field. It had nothing to do with his ability on the field it had everything to do with his actions off the field. And, and it was repeated, right? It's a little bit, I don't want to say um, it's like uh, watered down a bit in a sense. That's probably a horrible analogy, but because they're high school kids, you've got to give them a little bit more chance to, you know, redeem themselves. Can you speak to those conversations you've had and how those have gone with kids that you've had to say, hey, we either can't be, you can't be a part of us anymore, or you have to do these things to be a part of us again. I know that's really hard for me. So, yeah, well, yeah, it's that. Yeah. Yeah. That is one of the hardest things. I, you know, I, I, I agree. You know, I, when I took over, I had a lot of problems my first year. It was like 2010, ton of problems. And I looked at myself and said, if I was an athletic director, I'd be sitting this head coach down wondering what the heck are you doing? And I remember going in saying, I'm going to clean this up. Like I got this, you know, and, and, 
and I established this system where it was like, if you screw up, you know, not only are you done, but the, but the, the chief in charge of your tribe is done too. And I tried to really go strong arm all the law on it. And, um, fast forward a little bit when we did have a, an issue that year and the kid wanted to come back. Um, let, let me go back a little bit. You know, I worked, I worked in an environment where there are a million rules. And so the idea that you are a quote cadet in good standing, right. That was their rules. Right. And they were my rules too, because if you're not a cadet in good standing, you're no good to me. So I didn't have to have a list of rules, you know, cause I, I'm really not a rules like can't do this. Can't you, if you do this, then this happens. If you do this, then this happens. If you do this, you know, you just, be a thousand rules written down on a piece of paper. I thought that was really hard to run a program that way. So you kept it to values. Like these are the things that are important and we're going to stay within this, this line here. And one of those being, being a cadet in good standing. Um, um, so I remember, you know, we structured our team with the tribes and we had chiefs to the tribes and then those chiefs formed our grand council and it was just squadrons. You call it whatever you want. It was just way to break up our team. But I remember, and I don't think you were here for that, but we had, we had a couple kids get in trouble. And I said, okay, well, if you want to come back after you served your time, so to speak, then you're going to have to sit down in front of the chiefs or grand counsel. You're not just convincing me and the assistant coaches. You're going to sit down in front of your peers and you're going to tell them why you want to, why you think you should be able to come back and join this. Cause this is, being a part of a team, it's not a right, it's a privilege. And, you know, priv- with that comes a set of standards. And, um, and I remember those guys telling me, coach, who sees how he acts behind the scenes. I think he's going to get in trouble again. I don't feel comfortable if he's a part of it because a black guy on him again is a black guy on all of us. Right. And, um, you know, I leaned on those guys I said, okay, I trust you. I mean, that's your decision. And uh, I'll talk with the coaches. And, and we agreed that we would not take them back. And uh, I thought that was pretty interesting that they would do that for a peer, you know, um, because a lot of times you find, oh, he's a good player. We're going to take him back because he's going to score goals, you know. And I felt at that, that was one of the points when I was coaching those guys that I knew we were onto something when they had the courage to be able to say that about a peer, um, I thought it was pretty interesting. Um, I don't know if that asked you, answered your question, but it no, it definitely did. I feel like uh, Ronnie's getting the curtain is being peeled back because, like, obviously we do everything that we do as a team is is what we did at Air Force and what you you created, right? Um, and I have, in a sense, recreated that. And you know, we had that same conversation with that boy that he met with our council and with the sachems and they had to talk, talk through it. And he met weekly with them. And again, I think one of the terms, you know, aside from, you know, be an exclamation point, don't be a comma would be uh, it's your team. It's not my team. Right. That we talk about a lot of, you know, we're just driving the bus, right. You guys pay for the gas. You guys are sitting in the back. You guys know what's going on. You guys are the wheels the engine, all that stuff. We're just driving it and giving us a direction. Um, so I think that, you know, to your point uh, of giving those kids the courage to make that decision, 
getting back to that trust piece, I think builds that, that you're trusting them to make that decision about a guy who can help you too, on top of that, not just a guy who's got a jersey on at the end of the bench. I think even more so, and I think to your point, you know, you can definitely feel, I'm sure you could feel that, okay, we're on to something that those boys felt that they could do that and felt the courage to do that with their peer in front of them. Yeah, I mean, they, they showed certainly showed a sense of, of pride within our organization, you know, which we're just a small organization of the bigger uh, academy or the bigger university or the bigger school. Um, you know, and I keep thinking right now is you have a lot of time to think now with this whole quarantine situation, but you know, it's mission, it's vision, it's core values. You know, I think you're you're handling the mission and the vision probably with your administration and what the school thinks is important and what they want to see out of the program. Um, and I think the, the, opportunity for the for the guys in that locker room or to really talk about the core values and what what it means to be play at St. John's what it means what's important to them while you're steering that conversation you know let's call it the way it is like you know you're not going to go to your son and say hey do you want carrots or candy you're going to say do you want carrots or green beans right so you know you're able to steer that um yes have let them uh, own it and have their their uh, their uh, voice heard, you know, and and I think that's that's it's it's that's why with all these questions, it's not well to get trust. You just pull on a rope and you do the rope thing analogy, or you turn around and catch them. Well, sure, you could do that, or you can, you know, hit multiple topics by working with these guys to get them involved, to get them to feel like. I am a part of the bigger picture that we're playing for, not just that I'm playing for something, but I'm actually a part of that. And then you're hoping that as a legacy, when they graduate, you know, they come back and you're like, Hey Dave, Hey coach Cohn, you mind if I talk to the team? And they're like, Hey man, I remember playing here and I learned all this stuff. And I think you guys, you know, if you guys just embrace this and speak in the same language, that's how you leave that process, you know, for the next generation, the next generation. You know, it's, I mean, it's talk about timing. So, Eric, we, we've been hosting virtual meetings with our guys twice a week. Uh, and, and what we do there is not too dissimilar from what we do here. We kind of just talk leadership with them. And this last uh, week, our entire – every senior on the D, and we have 16 seniors on our team this year. So every senior on the defense, um, they each took the microphone for a few minutes and they shared – you know, what they, what their leadership development has been like over the four years in the program. And they kind of gave what ended up being like, I don't know, me and Dave got like weird. We were like sentimental. We were texting each other. Like, I'm not crying. You're crying. (laughs) Fucking guys. They started sharing with the rest of the team, like almost like their final thoughts. And I was like, holy shit, this is coming to an end. And these dudes, like the impact that they, that that I feel like the program had on them over four years is because of what you're sharing. It's like, all these values are ingrained in everything we do. So it's not like there's a list on the wall that they look at every day. It's not like there's a rule book or there's a a point A and a point B. It's really just like everything we do mattered because it ties to those core values. Uh, And it sounds like that's what you're saying. Yeah. And you know what? Wait five years, 10 years when they call you up. And, uh, you know, I mean, honestly, I, and I, you know, I'm not saying my phone's ringing off the hook, but, you know, you have those conversations 
uh, you know, and, and yeah, again, it's, 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 uh, it's the reason why you coach is to try to instill some values and, you know, it's a game. It's just a game. Like the X's and O's, like we all, you know, there's a shooting drill. Yeah. I could take a shoot drill and tweak it a million different ways. Right. It's all the same stuff, throwing a ball in the goal, right. Or defending it. Right. But, um, I'm not downplaying that. There's definitely, you know, but the special part about coaching is that influence. And, and, um, you know, and, and hopefully, I, you know, I started to think about it too. I'm hoping that the players feel that way about each other too, that in five or 10 years, I mean, I, I give, I give uh, a story to guys about Tom Carmine. You know, I don't know if you know Tom Carmine, but I played indoor lacrosse. He played at UMass. He was outstanding. And I remember, a moment when I played indoor, I was up at Boston Blazers, 1993. And uh, he influenced me there. And I, I was, this was post-college for me. I'm like, that guy had an impact on me, you know, and I was 23 years old at the time. And I I'm grateful for that interaction. And uh, you know, I'm hoping the guys feel that way in the locker room that, you know, that senior, he really looked out for me. You know, I really respect him. You know, that's the other layer of this whole relationship part of, of coaching and playing in a locker room. Yeah, I, I want – go ahead, Dave. No, I'm just going to say um, – I was going to ask, was that uh, pre-shorts spandex NLL? That was that was spandex NLL. Nice. Um, yep, definitely wore a cup, but fortunately the jerseys were long. <laughs> Big time. So I was gonna, I was actually gonna zoom out for a second on your career, um, and since you brought it up, it's perfect timing. I feel like, like everyone that I've talked to on this topic, and I'm sure, you know, you you both the same. Everything that builds our philosophy, if you had to write it down, right? You said that at the beginning, right, Coach? So, like, if you had to write it down, everything you'd be writing down is a collection of all the shit that you've been through all the experiences that you had, the failures, the victories, et cetera, et cetera. How do you take, you know, you spent four years playing in college. I'm sure you learned a ton from your coach, from the guys that were there. You guys had a championship run, et cetera, et cetera, to then go and playing in the league, right? You learned from dudes who, who were, some of those dudes were real pros, right? Like they, they, they was a business. They, it was all business. And those guys, the outcomes, I'm sure, matched the input. For some of them. I know you spent a year up in Ithaca, Cornell. So that's an interesting one for me because what do you take away from what a what and when you pull away and in your whole career it's a blip, right? You spent a, a season uh as as a as an on the sideline up there. So how, what do you take from all these experiences that you're able to pull together what now has built, you know, Coach Saraman's values or yeah, it's that's funny. You know what? I spent I got there in the winter. I spent like half a season there. I wasn't with them in the fall. I was only there for for a few months. And you know what? The, probably the biggest. I think the biggest reason uh, Air Force was extremely competitive in in my latter time there. Um, I learned it at in Ithaca because I was the volunteer and I coached the scout defense. And, you know, at the time I, I didn't, I, I enjoy, I mean, I, I enjoyed it because these most scout defensive or scout team players don't get any love and don't get any attention and don't get any work. And when you feel neglected like that, it's, it's the, it's the piece that could really make the team 
fall apart. And when, when we, when, when, uh, like I said, my latter years at the Academy, we had Captain Newkirk, Tristan Newkirk was outstanding officer, uh, very passionate young coach. And we, I, I had my volunteer. It was cramped in at the time. Some of these young grads, and then it was Tristan Newkirk. I said, "You are in charge of those guys, and you got in order for the offense to get better. You got to give those guys the love and attention that they need. And I think you're going to be as good as your scout team is going to be. Um, and my, I got that when I was at Cornell because I worked with guys that were never going to play or didn't play much, and and I was able to give them the attention and, and the training. And, you know, it wasn't, like I said, I was only there a short time, but I really, really grabbed that as like, and, and it tied in more to eventually in a, in a not direct way, but into the idea that, you know, everybody's important. You know, we, I don't know, Dave, you remember the slideshow we used to do when we did our, uh, our draft and, you know, the main theme was whether you're the bat, the deer, the bear, or the squirrel, everybody has value in this game. And, and as soon as you get your scout guys to feel that value, that they're doing a job pushing the, 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 the starters and whatnot, you're, you're going to be onto something good. And I think that goes into an organization too, because when you don't feel value within the organization, you know, it's, it's tough. It really weighs on you. You question why you're doing it. I think it's uh, looking back, like Ronnie said, on the little blips that make such a huge impression on you is is so important. Can you speak? I know you played for Coach Masser at West Jenny. There's a ton of coaches, a ton of guys. Can you speak to what, um, you know, he kind of instilled in you that you now as a coach and still try to instill in your guys? Because I know, I mean, he's a legend. In, in in high school lacrosse and in lacrosse coaching period. Well, the 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 a ton of a ton of lessons, ton of lessons. But this this probably sums it up. This is like what most people on the outside looking into the the other than the West Jenny three on two drill, right? Everybody, you know, probably knows somewhat or heard a little bit of story about the reservoir running the reservoir, and the reservoir was a big hill um, that each team would run and it was a kind of a rite of passage and you would I remember the year we ran it um you know we beat you know Henniger we beat somebody handily you know 10-15 goals and uh you know we veered off got off at a different exit to go to the reservoir and run and we were like ah man and that was really before it became so iconic um and it was like you know a couple of things that were (laughs) was you know, you're not as good as you think you are, you know, so stay sharp. You know, that game wasn't perfect. We made a lot of mistakes and we didn't, we didn't play the way we should have or, and could have. And so the idea of you're never perfect um, and fundamentals are always important, whether you win or lose, if we're not doing things properly in the process, it, it we're not result oriented. We're process oriented. You won the game, but you're still running, but coach, we won the game. Yeah. But we didn't execute. We didn't do things the way you were, you know, you were expected to do it. And I thought that part has 
I mean, and, and with that is the discipline and why didn't you do it fundamentally sound? Well, you didn't have the discipline to do it. And we wore our socks up because that was our sign of our discipline and, and et cetera, et cetera. So those ideas about process and about accountability and discipline that happened early and early, early in my life. The next chapter of my life I went to Carolina and that was a wild West. That was best guys play, you know, you, you know, it's, it's not just work hard. It's, you gotta have, you, you gotta have excessive talent, you know? And, uh, so not that you didn't have to have talent in high school, but it was uh, much more probably, uh, probably a lot more corporate, you know, like not, not in the, the process, but like you either perform or the next guy and we are deep. So we had, we played a ton of guys, so we were fighting for time, you know, and that competition part was part of it as well as um, a little bit more of good ones play, you know, but, but probably the, the, the thing that, I'm going to guess I would say you would strive for because you, you, you know, we have a shared coach, you, you know, coach Mead and coach Mead was my assistant at Carolina. Um, you know, it was, it was, um, how do you, because this is a question I would have for, to, for discussion. How do you, when I was at Carolina, we expected to go play for a championship and we did because they won it in 82, 83, 86, Every one of those guys, when I got there, had a taste of Final Four weekend. And so my first year, it wasn't, are we going to the Final Four? It's, we're going to win a championship. And it was a big deal that we lost in the Final Four. We lost to Hopkins, and, and uh, Syracuse ended up beating Hopkins that year. Probably one of the greatest championship games, I think, um, ever played. Um, but we, we had this culture that we had this expectation we were going to win a championship. So we went to four final fours and it was like expected. Like I wouldn't, I don't know life otherwise, you know? <laughs> and uh, you know, when you get into coaching, you're like, how do you replicate that? Especially if you've never done it before, you know? So you got to take small bites of the apple to, you know, to build that. And I think the majority of us are trying to build that, you know, there's not a lot of people that, have had experiences like that. And some people have won multiple championships, not me, but, you know, but how do you create the culture of, uh, how do you instill that in the culture, the expectation that we're going to go certain places and, and, uh, you know, uh, far in the season. Do you think that changed you a bit as a person and like your, your, I don't want to say demeanor, but your, um, that, that change from going from West Jenny to Carolina where it was the best play or you're, you're on the bench. It was kind of eat or be eaten a little bit. Do you think that changed kind of your perspective on what, what your outlook looked like? It wasn't so much team. And obviously you guys had a good team and great team and you guys were together and all that stuff. But do you think it was a, the dynamic was different than your experience at West Jenny than at Carolina because of that, the best guy, play period well you know um yes yes and no i mean i think it was it was an eye-opener any way you look at it and i think um i mean from my own experience you know i think i've i'm i'm midlife now so i've been able to look back at at some of the uh impact of of a lot of my experiences um you know the only game i lost playing lacrosse in up until through 
high school graduation was the very last game of, I never lost a lacrosse game in junior high or high school until the very last game I played my senior year. Um, And so, so that expectation to win, right. And have success. And then I went to college. Granted, we lost a couple games, but the year we won it, we were undefeated, but you know, we lost plenty of games in college, but still the expectation was, you know, was similar. Um, But I think, you know, I lost a lot of games playing indoor, but my switch was more of like, as I matured and realized things started coming into my mind, my body caught up with my mind and the game slowed down for me when I graduated and I understood training better. And I understood a lot, a lot of the things physiologically that affect you. And, and, you know, I played my indoor professional career for eight years and, and I kind of found out a little bit more who I was um, with those past experiences. But I think what it did was make me realize I really, it's not just about hard work. It's about hard work and production, you know, because as a coach, you get it all the time. You got guys that are the hardest working guys don't play much. And then you got the guys that play a lot because they're talented, but they need to work a little harder. And that's the really tricky part of, of, Meeting your goal. Look, we all want to win. I would never put that as the goal because that is the goal. But our goal is the steps along the way. And how do you get that guy to get this way? And how do you get this guy to get that way? So that everybody, all 50 or 40 guys that you got with all their, I'm not going to call it baggage, but all their experiences are going to contribute to the whole. That's, I mean, it's, that's why we're talking, right? I mean, that's what it's all about. I just go back immediately to the scout team defense. Because I think that's the crux of it, right? If you I can get so. if you can get the dudes who aren't going to be center stage, right, of your team, whatever it is, uh, in this case it's sports, right? If you can get the people in your team who aren't going to be center stage, they're not going to be everyone's main focus. If you can get them to buy in and contribute and make the people around them better, I think then you solve all those things. Because if, if I'm the dude who's not playing and I'm going to bust your chops every single day to make you better, well, that solves your guy who's really good who's not working that hard because I'm not going to let him up. And by the way, I might be getting better while I'm doing that, right? So I, to me, I think that is the crux of the whole deal. You got to get the people to buy in who wouldn't normally be front and center. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, we, and it's, and it's, Sometimes it's gimmicky stuff and sometimes it's the arm around them. It's the, it's the sprints, you know, losers run. If the scout team had a day and uh, you know, the other team gets the balls uh, we've done. Uh, I don't know if you're around Dave. We did, uh, you know, when you do your scout man down against the man up guys, I, I brought marbles. All right. This is for all the marbles. And uh, when the scout guys won it, they took the marbles. They were able to have the pride of the bag of marbles because they won all, all the marbles, you know. And, uh, you know, so, you know, that's the fun part, right? Uh, but no doubt, getting those guys to buy it. You know, our team, uh, you know, I talk a lot of the academy because there's a lot of, you know, the stuff we've done there and the stuff I'm trying to influence here at Rutgers is, um, is uh, trying to get those guys, uh, those guys back at, at the academy, they – they named themselves, <laughs> they gave themselves a name. And, you know, I always felt it was important that when a scout guy had a good practice that we, we, we reward them 
down at the other end, so to speak. And then we rep them for a day or so, whether or not they're going to play or not. Like I thought, you know, maybe sometimes my assistants didn't understand the why on that, but you got to keep them motivated. If they know they're never going to get looked at, because then it's like, Oh, coach, I'm never going to play down there. Coach doesn't give me a chance. Well, I want to make sure I'm given, if you earn it, I'm giving you that chance. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's, that's vital that they're able to, you know, look, and, and if it lat and if they are getting better, then they stay down at that end. And then the funny thing was, is that the guys on the scout team were busting that guy's chops because he was a trader. <laughs> and so again, when you know these little micro moments, when you know you're onto something, when they were mad at their buddy for making it to the other end, like, come on, you know, he left us. So it's, it's fun. You left us. I thought you were a scout guy, you know? Yeah, it's so funny. You know, that's, I, I, I am seeing behind the curtain here, Dave, because I feel like we we operate very similarly, uh, similar, Eric, and and our guys. I think also I think we're fortunate that at high school you can have guys contribute uh, at any skill level. You can find a spot for a guy regardless on the field, and I think we've been able to do that. I mean, we just graduated sixteen dudes who. I would bet anything that they all recognize how much they were able to contribute to our program. Uh, you know, that's 16 dudes who are not 16 starters, right? It's just ain't happening. So yeah, um, yeah. I do think that's impactful. I, I saw it. I saw it work. So, yeah. And that's hopefully, you know, I mean, you hope when the parents see the growth and development, you hope your administrator sees the growth development. And then of course you want to, you know, you're hoping that they contribute to society, right? I mean, they don't have to go to an academy to be solid citizens. I think we all have that responsibility, whether you're coaching high school, junior high, college, anything that you're going to instill values that are important to be leaders in the community and do good things. I think it was one conversation that we had, I think, Eric, about some kid had Air Force and, you know, and I think you said something to the effect of, well, if we put him in, it might change his life. Right. If we just put them in. Right. And I think I take that perspective of and granted, I'm at a lower level at a high school level where the 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 emphasis of winning isn't maybe quite as much. It's still there, but it's not quite as much as college. But I do think that if you give a kid an opportunity, that that opportunity could change the as cliche as that might sound, that it might change his trajectory. Um, you know, I'm thinking of a couple kids that we, I know, have talked about um, that played for us at Air Force that, you know, were the overachiever, you love them, you wanted them to date your daughter, but they weren't very good. And you were begging for them to be better. Uh, but they just weren't. But you were still trying to give because of all those great parts of them, you try to give them an opportunity on the field. So, yeah. I mean, I, I you know, this is very fresh in my memory and I, I know I owe this young man a call back. Cause I got a call back. I got a call the other day. And I was talking about this kid with, uh, um, I don't know if I should even talk about it, but, but I will, cause it's important. Um, you know, we had, we had, uh, you know, I, if kids wanted to try out, they can try out. Right. And you remember those days we just, we had tryouts, but there's this young man who, who tried out and uh, he gave me every reason to keep him every reason to keep him, you know, whereas, you know, he was beating everybody in runs. He was passing our run test. He was a literal yes, sir. Uh, kind of kid. Uh, 
I mean, and I, it was infectious and his work ethic was, was out of the, out of the, out of the, uh, you know, out of the atmosphere. And, uh, you know, as I transitioned to Rutgers, um, I had bumped into him, I think before I moved and he's like, Hey, I just want to let you know, I started this year. Uh, cause I didn't follow him in my transition to, I didn't really pay attention. And I'm like, you know what? Like, Oh my gosh, like good for you. Like, I'm so happy for you. And two days ago, he gave me a call to thank me for the opportunity. And, uh, I'm going to call him back. Uh, if he's listening, <laughs> I'm going to call him back. Uh, uh, had a little bit of travels this weekend. I want to make sure I sit down and have a good conversation with him, but those are the, you know, those are the moments that you, this is what, the why you do it from our end. I mean, I, it's unfortunate that, um, some of our sport, you know, is getting to the point of wins and losses are so important, you know, in the administrator's eyes. I, I understand that it's the business, but, um, I think our sport is still in a position where, I mean, all the sports are in a position to, to value this, but, you know, I think that's, that's why we're having this discussion. I don't really think, I think if, if all these kids can feel that value, you're going to have a valuable organization and then you're going to have success on the field and more importantly, off the field. So let's fast forward now uh, all the way to current life, right? So you're, you're at Rutgers, right? I mean, this is, uh, I know you were a head coach before, but this is not, this is the big leagues, right? I mean, you, you're, you're at, I would say an ideal, an ideal place for someone of your pedigree especially with the talent that you have around you. So how do you now, because you're, you're a leader of the offense. There just happens to be another leader who runs the whole deal, right? But he also has the people he answers to. So how do you own totally the offensive side uh, or that side of the team, that piece of the team totally when you know you have this kind of I don't want to say looming, but you have this larger kind of body that you're, you're also kind of a member of, right? I don't know, Dave, how do you do it? <laughs> I would say the, the biggest thing would be, uh, in all seriousness, this would just be have a plan and execute it and, and stick to it. And then if he wants to go off script or he has, then, then be, um, you know, be open and, uh, you know, bite your tongue and, and then kill them with your plan. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's fair to say. I mean, I, and, you know, it goes into what we were talking about earlier with, uh, you know, uh, ph- philosophy, you know, trying to blend philosophies. And, and I will be first to tell you that, or, in, or at least in my heart, you know, I've been doing things a certain way for a long time that I, I'm excited to bend and, and be moldable. I'm sorry to talk like a military guy, but to be able to adjust and, and evolve myself. Um, so, you know, I think that's, I think you're hitting a nail on the head is that having a plan and really being passionate about it. Um, I think is important. It's probably something I don't haven't done well with yet. 
Um, but I think going, you know, it's kind of like the honeymoon year was last year. This year was a little bit more of, uh, you know, um, you know, just a little bit more of a solid, uh, communication got a lot better this year. Um, and I think, you know, moving forward now, we're, we're definitely as a staff getting together more to really start to, um, get on the same page. Um, and so I think that, I think this year is going to be a lot more of, you know, more of the why we need to do this, not, okay, what are we doing? How do you want to do it? I think it'll be like, no, this is what we need to do. And this is why we need to do it with the personnel that we have. It's tricky. It is tricky. It's, uh, you know, I think I realized now that, um, you know, coach Brecht is, is great to work for and that he gives you a lot of the leash, you know? Um, so I think in my eyes, my communication to him is probably more important than his communication to me. Um, and I think I was looking for it to be the other direction early. Um, like I said, trying to get into his philosophy, well, how are you guys playing? And I think now with new kids on the roster than a few years ago, it's going to be more like, this is what I think we need to do and why I think the communication from my end going up is going to be equally, if not more important. Yeah, that's. I mean, listen, I, I'll I'll drop in here as well because I think Dave Dave will tell you. I think four years ago when we got together, I was I was I was running the box and I was supposed to be the defensive coordinator because I was like, I don't want to fuck this up. This guy, like, he moved down here. He knows what he wants to do. I'll just do whatever he wants. You know, four years later, I don't even think he knows what I'm calling down on defensive end. So I don't think he gives a shit. He's like, do do your thing, man. Like, there's a reason you're here, right? Um, so I think it's so much less. Sometimes the leader, it's a lot. Sometimes it's you as the person who's like, I got to just step in and know that that's what this dude hired me for, right? That's what I'm here for. Yeah. 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 And I, you know, that's that again, that goes back to the challenge of the X's and O's part that um, taking on a different role, which is a little bit more of the hands on X's and O's side of things, um, you know, it's, it's no doubt similar to writing down your philosophy. It's like keeping a log of, what's worked X's and O's wise in the past. I mean, Dave, I've been talking to you. What was that play we ran last, uh, you know, in 2016, you know, and, and um, keeping that stuff fresh in your head. But, um, but that's also been the exciting, you know, the exciting part is getting back to some of that stuff that, um, that you get away with when you're, that you you get away from when you're the head coach. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, I look, I think it's all about your perspective as well. I think, you know, me showing up to Air Force and then you letting me have so much leash was frustrating because I wanted you to tell me what to do. But then once I got over that hump of like, okay, I have a plan. I know, I know the kids. I feel confident in our scheme. This is how we're going to teach it. Then I got to the other side of now I look at it from a perspective of like, well, thanks because you, you allowed me to get over that hump for myself. Um, so I think, again, it's where your perspective is. And I think it takes a little bit of time. And if you're, if you're all at the same, wanting the same thing, which is, you know, winning, producing great kids who are going to be, you know, go out and, and be good people. I think if you're going at it from that perspective, but also seeing it from both sides, I think, you're going to develop into the, into what you want it to be more often than not. That's, that's what process does, right? Um, 
And I, I think uh, I, I'm, I'm probably similar to you right now, to be honest. I think um, a little bit of that, exactly what you said about getting over that hump. And I think looking forward to next year, I think is probably getting to that top of that hump and starting to go over it that, you know, and it, because the other thing is the players are going to get more used, are going to be more used to me now too. Um, so it's not just the message going outward. It's also that interplay with the players. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's huge. I think that the, like even looking at practice this year, you know, first four year group, it wasn't, Hey, let's do this. Let's do that. And they could go out and, and do it and rep it and they get, and then you could tweak little things where it wasn't the big picture. Okay. This line's here. This line's there. Balls need to be over here. It wasn't as much of that. Yeah. And then I think the, the, the other piece from the X's and O's aside from that is, those kids understand what your philosophy is. And I think getting back to what Ronnie kind of talked about in our Zoom meeting with our team the other week was that, you know, you found that they get it, right? And, and that was, I think that was evident in practice because you saw guys holding each other accountable for, you know, not touching the line or, you know, not hustling in between, you know, the drills or, you know, taking a playoff and actually not me yelling at them, but them calling each other out. Um, I think, you know, one of the other things, we had our first fight in practice in four years. We've been begging for it. We made it. We finally, we're real coaches now. Um, Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I think it's a process. Well, it's interesting, too. I just had a little thought. You know, holding people accountable isn't necessarily, you know, waiting for them to, to mess up, you know, some of that is prevention, you know, like I can be like, Hey, we're doing the full field yada, yada drill. Um, Hey, freshman, you go here. Hey, you go there and you go there. And I think that's, you know, a little bit more of, of hitting it before, before you screw the whole drill up and have to come in on a negative tone. It's making sure those guys, those upperclassmen that take care of those younger guys. So, Coach, we, we want to be uh, respectful of your time. We're, we're going to start to wind it down, but I do have uh, – I have I wrote down a few questions along the way here. Um, so, number one, what was your biggest leadership influence along the way? Probably uh, Coach Masser, West Tennessee High School, high school coach. Yeah, there, there's, there's no doubt. Um, only for a lot of things we talked about earlier – um, you know, um, I went so far once to say, you know, I, sometimes we played like winning didn't matter. It was more like we didn't, we didn't want to screw up, but we wanted to, you know, make sure our sock, make sure we were dotting the I's and crossing the T's, you know, of course, the older I get, the more I realize that, well, it was really, <laughs> it mattered. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, and I, I gotta say, you know, is, uh, you know, I worked in a place where you were able to see a lot of, uh, you know, good and, and probably they can attest or most importantly, bad, uh, you know, attempts at leadership. And, uh, you know, when you spend that much time, you're able to grab different pieces of, uh, tips, you know, ideas and, and, uh, help form your philosophy but going back to high school I think 
I mean, I can't not say it. It's been, it's 40 years, you know, not 40 years ago, but it's, uh, you know, it's 30 years ago, but, um, I mean, still to this day, I keep in touch with the, the coaches and we share ideas and it's just very, it's very grounding. You know, and, you know along with that question, I think uh, last week, our, our guests also, I, I think we opened up with it last week with a story of just like a really bad leader. And he learned so much from that. Is there anything um, along the way that like wasn't good that you're like, okay, definitely not going to do that style. Um, well, I think, uh, you know, without name and names or, you know, I mean, you know, I think when you get into, especially in this age, um, you know, back when, back when, you know, I'm, I'm 49. So, you know, back when I was, you know, the, the formidable years, the college years and whatnot, you know, the times have changed. And, um, I think what I've realized, especially with this generation is they do need to feel valuable. Whereas I think back in, back in the day, um, there wasn't, I never, there were times where maybe I didn't feel value. It was more like a little bit of sink or swim or, you know, you can do it or you're going to run, you know, is that little black and white hardcore, uh, if you do this, then that kind of thing, or if you don't do this, then that. Um, and now I think it's more of an emphasis on, you know, the person and the motivation side. And I think coaching's evolved that way too, getting them to feel important, getting them to feel motivated, having positive influences, talking about, and really working more with each individual's contribution to the whole. Where I, I think before, you know, it was maybe a little bit more focused on the whole, you know, just plugging in bodies, you know. Um, so I hope that answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. So coach, uh, kind of last question, uh, here, uh, looking kind of through your lens that you have now as a dad, as a coach, um, is there anything that you, you know, sticks out in your mind that you would do differently, uh, when it comes to your leadership style or as a coach that maybe our listeners can maybe take from it and, and, and more so than, than already what they've been listening to? Um, well, I think everybody's journey is, is exactly that. I mean, I think when I was younger, I tried the harder core, uh, um, exhausting, um, you know, do it this way, um, a little more, uh, ranting and raving, so to speak, um. I, I've realized now kind of like my previous answer that it's, it's a little bit more delicate to handle situations differently um, w- within the bigger, within the bigger picture of standards, keeping everybody in line, so to speak, within what you feel is important, but understanding that, you know, we actually said this early that, you know, when you're a career coach, everything you do lacrosse is important. It's the most important thing other than family, right? Um, but these kids, some kids might want to actually be a doctor and not a professional lacrosse player. And some people might like to uh, play music, uh, an instrument, or have other interests outside of lacrosse. And, I've, uh, and I did too as a coach. I get into running. I get into fishing. I, you know, I like doing different things too outside of the career. And I think um, you know, respecting that, 
not everybody, all of these kids um, are wired the same way. Getting them, the challenge is getting them when you have them to, to feel that it's the most important thing when it needs to be the important thing. I think is uh, kind of that balance. And I think that's the same thing applies when you're, when you're a father and when you, when you, uh, you know, have other things going on in your life that you're able to understand that there are more things, you know, in life than, than lacrosse, you know. Awesome. Well, uh, well said, we, we appreciate you coming on here. Um, I know that you're in the East Coast, so it's getting late. Got to get the got to get the girls to bed. Oh. I'm sure pretty soon here. Um, you hear my, my guys barking. <laughs> virtual school night. That's right. You have you have to wake up virtually tomorrow. Damn it. Exactly. Um, well, you know we certainly appreciate it. I know I had a good time. So thanks so much for coming on. This is episode two of Lucky to Lead. Thanks, Coach. Honored. Thanks so much, guys. I appreciate it. It was awesome.